Welcome to another episode of the Head of Nations podcast. I'm your host, Brian, and virtually across the table from me is your co-host, Ben. So, Ben, it's been a minute. What's new in your nations? We are looking forward to the beginning of school. And so that's the new and exciting thing. I know I'm, I'm speaking to you, so you probably have uh, similar, well, similar excite excitements mm-hmm. and anxieties and probably some disappointment from your kids. But uh, it's been it's been a good summer, very productive. The reading has been just amazing, I think, just to see the kids get through books. And we've been consistent, my wife and I, consistent in our reading. And uh, that's been just a, a super awesome thing that that we we wanted to do and we, we saw it done. And so we're continuing. You know, Bo just, my, my oldest son just, uh, bought a book. Uh, he's he's starting the Hardy Boys, so that's that's going to be cool to see him get into. Uh, other than that, um, I'm for the first time I'm leading a Sunday school uh, at church. I I was praying about how to get involved a little bit more, and and uh, my pastor said, "Well, can you lead a Sunday school this week?" I said, "Yes." So so we're doing it. So I'm excited about that too. Nice. I'm actually also teaching a Sunday school class. Uh, this is my. I think at this church, like fifth go round at teaching Sunday school, but yeah, so we're kind of doing something similar, which is kind of cool. Maybe we can bounce ideas off each other at some point. Oh yeah. Yeah. So this week, what's new in my nations is I'm learning more about cryptocurrency. So it's something I've always been interested in. I've had a fundamental knowledge of, but I really just don't understand the nitty gritty, like the deep workings of crypto. And I feel like in this world at this stage of the game crypto is growing it's becoming far more relevant and i think it's something that i need to have a basic understanding of in order to understand the financial realm a little better so i've been taking some time watching some videos reading articles things like that to get a better handle on it so that just just for self edification so that i know the terrain of the financial world so that's something i've been working on this week very cool So I wanted to do for the verse of the week, something that I think will tie into the topic very well. And that is Proverbs chapter 14, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. And so verse 12 of Proverbs 14 says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. So this is something that I think of kind of frequently, this concept of our plans and the roads that we see ahead of us and the way that we would take often if we weren't relying as believers on God's guidance and on God's ways for us. And if God weren't directing our path on the path of righteousness, that a lot of times the way that maybe we think we should go in and of ourselves may not be the best way. I think a lot of times of people who make decisions where they say, whether it's, you know, for example, drinking, you know, a lot of people drink and biblically, I I don't necessarily see something inherently wrong with drinking. It's just my position. I see scripture speak out against drunkenness, but the issue is a lot of people set out on that path. Like I can handle it. I can handle it. It's not a big deal. Or they might even think about it. They're just like, well, I'm going to have a drink. And then 20 years later, when they're in the throes of alcoholism, and their world is falling apart. They've lost their job. Their family is abandoning them because really all they do is bring grief and misery to their family. I think like, I wonder what they thought of that path 20 years ago. 
or 10 years ago. So it probably seemed right to them at the time, that path that they walked on, but it ended up leading to their destruction. So I think it's important that as we tread, that we tread carefully and prayerfully that the path that we're walking on is a righteous path and not a path that's going to lead to destruction. So I wanted to hear what your thoughts were. Yeah, I think I've I've referenced this several times throughout throughout my counseling and advising young people, just because I I've I've seen too many go the way that they want to go in telling themselves it's the right way to go, not because it's 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 bound up in what what truthfully God wants from us. It's not bound up in the will of God, but it's bound up in the will of of themselves. They it's it's it you know they say it's it's right. You know, it's it's good. And when it comes to it, asking the question, what what do you think what do you think God wants from you here? Is it this or is it that? Because that's going to determine what's right and what's wrong, uh, not what you desire. Your desires will will lead you astray. So yeah, it's like there, there's a way that seems right. And it's who who decides what's right. It's, well, it's the man and the man decides what's right based on what he wants, his his desires. And mm-hmm. that that is that 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 leads to more often than not the paths of death, the ways of death. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good thoughts. So I think this kind of leads into the topic of the week. And I titled this Which Way Western Man? just looking at Western society and kind of the crisis I see among young men, among young males and among males in general, this kind of like, which way should I go? Should I go the way of the culture and who in the culture is speaking truth? Like what should I follow? And I really think this kind of piggybacks on last week's topic, which was hitting the wrong target. And really I think what's at the heart of this, because I know you have a heart for mentoring people who are younger, passing on truth and helping them to get on the right track early in life so that as they tread that path of life, they're on a good path and not a path that's going to lead them to death. And something that I often think of, and I don't know if you think about this, but I'm sure you do. You're a really thoughtful guy is how do we direct or how do we interact with or instruct the next generation? And when I think about this, the, the first thing I think of is how do you tell people something you know they won't accept, right? Like you ever think about this? And I see this somewhat frequently in my life where I know something and I know I could help somebody that's struggling, but I know they really and truthfully will not accept what I'm going to tell them as truth. It's something I think of as cognitive dissonance. It's not quite that. I think sometimes it's a spiritual issue and people just that are not redeemed cannot understand spiritual things. The scripture tells us that. But so a couple things that I thought of, for example, telling someone that they are the problem. You know, like oftentimes when we have problems in our lives, we're the problem. And we're looking for all these external (laughs) sources of the problem. Like, man, I I just don't understand why I'm not performing at work. Well, are you putting the work in? Well, no, but I just, I don't understand why I'm not getting the results. 
Or I just don't understand why, I feel like, why do I feel lethargic? Why do I, or, well, are you sleeping? Well, no, but that, that shouldn't matter. Well, it does matter. You're, you're the problem. <laughs> like, how do you tell someone they're the problem? Or sometimes you ever tried to instruct someone that maybe has come to you for advice and they're friend zoned in a relationship and you're trying to convince them. They're like, oh no, she, she loves me. She just, she just doesn't know it yet. Or, oh, she loves me, but she's playing these games. You're friend zoned. Well, no, no, I'm not. You know, I, I'm definitely not friend zoned. I mean, she says she likes me. You're friend zoned. No, no, you don't understand. No, you, you don't understand. So, how do you tell someone something that you know they won't accept? That I think is the challenge of this generation. I have a bunch of other examples here, but I'm just going to keep it light here with these couple. But I often struggle with this because if someone comes to you for advice, Oftentimes they come to you for the advice that they want you to tell them. They don't really want the truth. They want what they wish the truth was. And I think that is a problem a lot of times with this generation is, first of all, how do they even know what the truth is, which I'll get into in a little bit, I, th I think, down the road if we have time. How do they know what the truth is when there are so many voices shouting at them, but also how to get them to accept the difficult truth over the easy lie. So I wanted to stop there and get some reflections from you first before I moved on to a few other things that I had to say. Yeah. So I'm when I'm confronted with something like this, I'll share I'll share what I think. I'll share the the truth based on obviously based on God's word. And I when I know they're not going to listen, I share it anyways. And I just, I pray that God would just open their hearts and eyes to what's, what's real. But I've had, I'm in a, an interesting position where I'll have, I'll have guys come to me. They'll share, they'll share something like that. You know, like, like maybe it's a friend zone thing or like your examples. Um, I'll share with them what I what I think is is good and true, and and then they'll cycle. They'll just go and get everybody else's answer, and then they'll come back to me, and I'll I'll say, well, do you remember what I said last time? They'll say yes, and I'll be like, well, I don't really have to say anything then, <laughs> right? I mean, I just it I so I I tend I try not to repeat myself uh, because if they, they know where I stand, they know what I've said, unless they. Of course, unless they've forgotten what I've said, I can all repeat it. But, but I'm not going to, you know, once I've once I've spoken my piece, I'm not going to try to convince them because I know it's not it's not about logic. It's it's really they need new sight, if mm -hmm. especially if I'm calling them out of their of their sin, it, they need they need the Holy Spirit's conviction and ability, or else they're not they're just not going to see it. So that's that's where I'm at. Yeah. And I think that's an important point where I think of this often when people ask me my positions on different things where I don't think they really want my position and they're not going to accept my position. It's almost like the biblical principle of casting pearls before swine. Yes. Uh, they're just going to trample them underfoot. And then what is the good of me doing so? But if they ask me, I'll give them what I think the truthful answer is in a tempered way, because I think 
harsh truth sometimes is hard to swallow. Still truth, but presented in a winsome way, I think is easier for people to swallow. It's still not easy necessarily. But I think a, a part of the problem in instructing people, anyone, is this concept of having them accept the truth as the truth. And you can't make them believe. You can't make them believe the truth. They have to come to that on their own. You can only present it. But yeah, I'm with you. I, I'll usually say it once, maybe twice. But there's at some point, if they're not willing to actually hear, if they're hearing but not hearing, seeing but not seeing, then you have to let them process that on their own. And I think personally, a lot of what the proper path is, is just not, I put down processable. I know it's not a word, able to be processed is the word, but Mark Twain, a lot of times would just add suffixes onto words, no matter how <laughs> long they were. He didn't follow the syllabic rule. But anyway, so I think it's just not processable for some people because of that. They, they don't want to accept the truth as truth. Because a lot of times, if you think about truth that is uncomfortable, it's easier to avoid. If you've ever had a, a test you've had to take or an assignment you've had to turn in, or if you get a review or whatever it is, or even you know, sometimes if it's metrics or your bank account, whatever it is, when you look at it, you're like, Eesh. so you don't want to look at it. You want to avoid that truth. That's why no matter what it is, if there's an uncomfortable truth, I make sure that I confront myself with it willingly because I know that pattern of being avoidant of uncomfortable truth becomes more entrenched over time. And I think that a lot of times we seek comfort instead of seeking uncomfortable truth. And I think that's part of the issue. And I think too, Brian, I think that there's a there's kind of like a hardening and a, and a kind of a callus being built up, isn't there? Whenever they, whenever you keep going the the way of sin, you keep you know, and you and you don't. And you and you and you don't hear, don't see, or refuse to open your eyes to what is true and good. You keep practicing. You keep you know treading on uh, toward the the way of death. You're on the road to death. There's this. There's a callus, I think, that's being built up. And so there's this. There's a story about Hannibal. Um, I was reading in J.C. Ryle's book, Thoughts for Young Men, a story about Hannibal. The uh, he was the the conqueror. Carthaginian general. That's right. Mm -hmm. And so he, there's like a saying, uh, and let me see if I can actually get it and read it. But it was about his, uh, he he was going to conquer Rome. Um, let me see if I can get it. There it is. When this is about Hannibal, yeah, he was about was it two forty seven to one eighty three BC is what the uh, footnote says in my book. But it says when he could have taken Rome, that he warred against it, but it but he would not take it. And by and by, when he would, he could not. And so the encouragement is beware lest the same kind of event event fall befall you in the matter of eternal life. It's this this callousing that uh, that happens whenever you just it's repeated sin. You could deal with it now. You could you could hear the truth and repent and be and and start fighting the actual enemy, or if you put it off and count on like this late repentance thing, when you find out, you know, maybe when you would have 
conquered it, could have conquered it, maybe now because of the callousing effect, you you won't, nor could you if you tried. Yeah, and I think we're counseled against that in Hebrews you know, to not put off that day while it's today, while we still can. Yes. Yeah, very solid point. So when we're trying to help those who are younger, and by the way, if there are young men listening, there are younger young men that look up to you. So never think that you're too young to be a, a mentor to those that are younger than you. That's generally the way of the world. When you're 18, the people that are 14 or 15 look up to you. When you're in your 20s, the people that are in their late teens look up to you, right? When you're in your 30s, the people in their 20s look up to you to be a role model. So as long as you are trying to be obedient to Christ and live that model out, then I think that we shouldn't disqualify ourselves for being a role model. I just want to throw that out there. I think another issue that we have to confront is in today's society, this concept of flashy versus effective. And I think part of the reason why it's difficult today to reach those that are younger is that the right way is not the flashy way. And this is true, I would say, almost universally across the board for anything. Like We all love the highlight reel where the cool flashy move, whether it's in the UFC octagon or whether it's on the basketball court, we love the highlight reel. But the amount of times that the highlight reel things are actually successful, it's very, very few times that it's successful. That's why it's on the highlight reel. If it was something that happened frequently, it wouldn't be on the highlight reel because it wouldn't be unusual. The flashy things work unusually, not all that often. The things that are effective are usually the fundamentals, and the fundamentals just aren't that cool, no matter what it is, whether it's in finance or whether it's in work or whether it's in the gym, whatever it is, the fundamentals are effective. But when you're learning things or when you're looking, like when I started jujitsu, I wanted to do the really cool Imanari role or you know an inversion to Bolombero or some really crazy move because it looked so cool. And I was like, this is sweet. The amount of times that that actually works is almost zero. The things that work are the fundamentals that everyone learns on like the first week of class. Well, I think it's the same thing here. Like if you think about it, what works in being a man operating in the world as a man in 2023? Virtue, stoicism, obedience to Christ, responsibility, loving others, patience, gentleness, like these things that are the fundamentals are the things that work. But what people are told, and actually I was talking to my wife about this the other, I think it might've been last night. We were watching Alf. I love Alf. And they were having a flashback episode to the 60s and they were showing hippies. And in the, the late 60s, the hippies were the cool, flashy thing. They wore special clothing, you know, long hair for the dudes, facial hair, catchy slogans. And it attracted a lot of people because it was the flashy, new, cool thing. And then as the early 70s died out, hippies went away. They just weren't a thing much anymore. I mean, you still see the stray hippie that just has never realized that the 60s are over. But it was no longer the cool thing, so people stopped doing it. And I really think today, a lot of what we see is, uh, as far as like gender confusion, gender role confusion, 
the massive influx of LGBTQ plus whatever is it's the flashy thing. It's easily identifiable. It's massively countercultural. It, it actually isn't, by the way, because most of the culture is supporting it. So it's not actually countercultural. But anyway, that's a side rant. But it's the flashy thing that's attracting people versus the effective thing that will help you navigate the world successfully as a Christian man. So I think part of the issue of passing on to the next generation the right path, the right ways is effective just is not as attention getting as flashy. Now, I think there are some ways to navigate that, but I just wanted to hear your take on that as well. I would agree with everything you said, and I would add this. It's the it's the quick thing. It's the thing that's th- that that will quickly solve my problem, not the the long humili humbling humiliating even yeah sure why not uh process the grueling process of learning a thing it's i i ask i i ask my you know my my son we're talking about um we're talking about his progression in in sports and and he was he's wanting to he you know he has certain goals in in his in in baseball and and we were talking about just how he gets there and, and is his training actually going to to lead him there um and and i was asking him questions about how do do you remember learning how to walk or write your name he said no i said i do Mm -hmm. i remember that you know and i remember how long it took and how in how at times you as a little baby you were getting a little bit frustrated you know and as 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 a as a, a kindergartner you were getting frustrated with your penmanship and and it but you didn't stop it's and and i think that's that's what we have come that's what we've lost i think in our society i think we've we've lost the the and maybe it's it's the ability to wait maybe it's patience we we've mm-hmm. we've really lost patience with um with the long grueling strengthening whatever uh, activity that would lead to more fulfillment or lead to joy or would lead to happiness or whatever if it's not quick, mm-hmm. it's not for, it's not for me. Let me have this, you know, let me have this surgery or let me have this answer and let me have it like this so that it can quickly deal with that. Um, like I think of, I think of people who, who maybe aren't in a relationship and they want a relationship so badly, but maybe they, they are not having success with the opposite sex. And so it's, well, maybe I'm, you know, Maybe I'll go this way and try to get happiness this way. And it's just, man, it, or you can just wait until the right one comes along. Be patient. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but that's that seems to be, I don't know, that seems to be it too, you know, along along with what mm-hmm. you said. Yeah, I think we don't really teach anyone about the process that anything takes time. Yeah. I didn't learn that, quite frankly. I don't think I actually learned that. I thought I was supposed to be good at everything right away. And mm. if I wasn't, it was a flaw on my end and not the way the world worked. And so I think I was in my late 20s before I actually put the pieces together in my own head. And I was like, no, failure is actually your friend. And failure is a good teacher because it teaches you the path to success. Yeah. Which and, I, think yeah. Could be, yeah, good. I think that could be another episode at some point, but just that concept of patiently enduring, which is a scriptural principle. Yes. Right? So I don't think we even tell people that that should be part of the process of failing, trying again, failing, trying again, 
and then developing proficiency at whatever it is, be it something like telling the truth if someone's struggling with lying, right? Not gossiping if they're struggling with gossiping or a skill like shooting a basketball through the hoop that it's applicable across the board. But I think we just, we don't teach the younger generation that that's part of the process. And they see on media that instant success is the way and it actually isn't. That's yeah, such a lie. It's it's even the thing I I would even say we should be teaching a distrust of instant success. Yes, it's, that's because then yeah, there's something fishy going on there. You know, like the fact that you could make it this far and advance this much overnight tells me there's something wrong. Or there's something up. You know, um, something doesn't line up because that's just not the way. Well, it's it's not the the way that things usually work. That's what I'll say. And I would say the, the stronger that I've gotten and more proficient in, in anything that I've done, it's been through failure, through falling on my face and getting back up again. <laughs> that's, you know, that's it. Um, I don't think there's any substitute for that. Absolutely. I think another issue is this concept of cutting through the noise, like loud versus true is how I wrote it. Mm. Like story. So I like to learn different skills that I will either be able to use in my life or that they're, they're transferable skills to some other area. And about, I think it was nine years ago, the foremost expert on edible plants came to the Pittsburgh area. His name was Sam Thayer. And I took a course with him and also with Adam Harriton, who's also in the area. And we were walking down a trail and I was like two people back from Sam Thayer. And he was pointing out a plant, but no one was listening. They were too busy being loud and talking amongst themselves. And so I, I was like, oh, can you say that again? And he told me about a specific plant. And then he kind of like walked with me one-on-one -on -one and showed me a few other plants. He didn't show anyone else, it like showed me how to identify and I could catalog them and be like, I know what these are now. I know what their uses are. But the only reason that that happened was because when it was loud, I listened or truth from him, right? He was the instructor. I was listening to the instructor while everyone else was just talking, talk, 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 talk. And they just ignored him. And here he is an invaluable source of, of knowledge and no one was listening. But because I listened, I was rewarded with extra knowledge. And I think a lot of times the world is so loud. There's so many voices that are shouting that it's so difficult sometimes to be able to cut through that to hear truth. But I think a lot of times we just never really take time to listen because we're either talking or we're hearing the loudness that we miss golden nuggets of knowledge from those that are our elders. And so I think that it's another issue facing young people today is everything is so loud as far as cultural noise. How can they hear the quietly spoken truth? And I don't think that means we should be loud, by the way. I don't think we need to shout louder to get attention. And I don't even know that that necessarily works. I see a lot of church ploys to try to get people in that are unchurched, that it just seems like it's never that effective to try to be as loud or to shout out, shout the world. I don't think that's the strategy forward, but I do see the trend that those that listen to the quiet truth are rewarded. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So point. the path I see forward, this is, I think the solution to how do we reach the younger generation, instruct them in the truth. And I think 
this is going to be anticlimactic because as I said before, the fundamentals are what work. It's not some flashy new program. It's not some flashy new strategy, but living it is the way. So when I see something that is effective, I go and ask about it to the person that demonstrated it. So for example, I'm working still, I mentioned this like 10 episodes ago, I'm still working on takedowns in jujitsu. A lot of the guys at my school are former wrestlers, whether they're former collegiate wrestlers or former high school wrestlers. And I had literally zero wrestling experience other than jujitsu. And so when I shoot for takedowns, a lot of times against these really good wrestlers, I get stuffed. Like they just, they block my takedown time after time after time. And one of my coaches is a really good wrestler. And so I'm like, listen, how are you so good at this? You've demonstrated time and time again. I see you. You take down these tough wrestlers. How do you do it? And so last week he took me aside and he's like, I'm going to show you. But the reason I was willing to listen to him is because I watched him over and over and over again, show me that it worked. He didn't just say it. He showed me that it worked. And so he's like, here's what I do. And he showed me the technique of looking up, not just using my head as a fulcrum, but looking up while I'm doing it. And it was so simple, but it's so effective. It's changed my game for takedowns entirely. But the only reason I asked him about that specific piece of knowledge was because I saw it lived out on the mats. And I think in the world today, as Christian men who are wanting to impact the next generation and pass on a love of truth and a desire to be masculine men who provide, who protect, who preside over their families and over their responsibilities, who are the heads of their nations, the really only way to cut through the noise is to live it out because people recognize the difference between talk and action. Now, talk and loud talk might be attractive at first, but it wears off really quickly. But action, clearly demonstrable action wins in the long run. And so this is what I was prepping for this. I was thinking about this. People say, when the student is ready, the master will appear. I think the converse is true as well, that when the master is ready, the student will appear. And I've seen this in my life several times. I'm not saying I'm a master at anything in particular, but the more proficient I've become at things, people will just show up and ask me about those things, whether it's in jujitsu or whether it's in life. Like, okay, you know, I'm going to be married. What are some tips you have for me as a future husband? Right. Or I'm starting work. What are some tips you have for me as a guy who's been in the career field for so long? So, the more proficient we become at living out this life of obedience to Christ while maintaining a masculine frame of mind in this world that's so upside down right now and telling men not to be men and telling boys not to be boys and telling everyone to reject Christ. How do we balance all of that out and draw people in so that we can pass on the truth? I really think the only way forward is to live it out boldly. And I wanted to hear what your thoughts were on that. And you you said live it. And you briefly said the the phrase that stuck with me, love it. And and I think, yeah, live it and love it. Love, like love the truth. Don't scorn it just because 
the loud ones are scorning it. Don't scorn it just because, you know, maybe you're maybe you're a really cool teacher or a cool podcaster or someone you look up to, a really great fighter is scorning the truth. But no, love the truth because, the, well, I mean, the truth sets us free. The, the truth actually is is the path to to true freedom, to true happiness and joy. And it's something that we ought to protect once we know the truth. And I'll say the, the, the core truth that, that Christ is king over all yeah. reality, you, you start loving that truth and guarding it with all your heart and you start building on that truth. I think that's the path to like, not that you should pursue greatness as an end unto itself, but that's, that will make a a great man in the sight of in the sight of the great king jesus christ like yeah. that that that's i think that l- love paired with living it is the is the way it's mm-hmm. the way and I, I think it also makes society would say a lot of people though they would not necessarily admit it right so proverbs says that the wicked will bow in the presence of the righteous mm. right so that like if even if the wicked don't recognize Christ as king, but if you are living that life and pursuing him and doing all things to glorify him, you're going to do it really well. And that is going to lead to you becoming greater as in raising in rank, mm-hmm. raising in seniority, being promoted, things like that, because you're doing your job excellently well. And people are going to respect you because you tell the truth, you're trustworthy, you're reliable, your word is your bond, things like that. So it is going to lead to greatness I think also in this world as well, generally, not universally, but generally. And people will recognize that. Like I think of Billy Graham. Mm. Back in his day, Billy Graham was super vocal for Christ. And everyone respected him. He was universally respected in America in his time. Even though people didn't necessarily agree, some of them didn't agree with the message. They respected the person because he didn't just say something he lived it and that garnered respect from pretty much all corners of america so i think as people see us live that out they're going to respect it and people are drawn to those that they respect and then we then can point them to christ by living it and i really like your point of loving Mm -hmm. loving the truth so i think that we can speak the truth but it's really important to live that as well yeah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel, Nehemiah, they, they all were, were great. And they all were blessed by the Lord mm-hmm. where, he, where he had them. And and those are those are good stories to remember. Absolutely. Well, that's all I've got for you. Have any parting comments, Ben? Oh, you really put me on the spot there. I did. Um, oh, I uh, parting, really quick. parting thought. Um you don't need one. What I'll read my hey, I'll read my I'll read my <laughs> Lewis quote behind me. I don't know if you can see this. This is a great quote. It's uh it's being in love is not merely a feeling. It is a deep unity maintained by the will and deliberately strengthened by habit, reinforced by the grace which both partners ask and receive from God. That's C.S. Lewis. I'm reading the uh the four loves right now. So I, okay. don't know. I thought that was fitting. There we go. <laughs> Solid. Good work. 
So thank you all for listening. And we appreciate you being a part of the community. If you enjoy the podcast, feel free to share it with other people and feel free to subscribe. And also we'd appreciate it if you would leave a written review. It just helps us navigate the algorithm. And if you would like to share a comment or have a question that you'd like us to answer on the show or just you know answer privately, feel free to reach out to us at info at headofnations.com. And if you'd like to support the show, you can go to headofnations.com and click the support tab. And we really appreciate the support that we've received so far. So thank you to those who have been supporting the show so far. And as always, remember, we are the head of our nations. So let's go live like it. Until next time. <laughs>